0: This is the Shenandoah Down Under podcast. In the final days of the American Civil War, the CSS Shenandoah set out on an epic year-long secret mission. Join your Australian hosts, Robert Love and Michael O'Brien, as they follow the last Confederate cruiser on its quest to find and sink the Yankee whaling fleet, wherever on the high sea they may find them.
1: And hello, and this is Shenandoah Down Under, or Confederate Pirates Save the Whales, with Robin and Mob, Robert Love and Michael O'Brien. I'm Rob.
0: That means I'm Mob. Good morning, Rob.
1: Good, good, good morning, Michael, and uh, you know, all around the world. Uh, good morning, good evening, good midnight, um, wherever you may happen to be. And... This is just such an exciting week. 150 years ago today, um, where the Shenandoah is in the Bering Sea between Siberia and uh, and Alaska. Mm
0: -hmm. um, uh, They're about to strike their war-winning blow against the Yankees. (laughs) Big problem is, (laughs) it's a bit late.
1: well, yes, yeah. I, I don't think we're spoiling that. I think we've foreshadowed that uh, any number of times over the past few weeks. But um, uh, so last week uh, it was, a, was a very exciting week. Uh, 150 years ago in the Bering Sea, because the uh Shenandoah caught a, a number of prizes. But this week is the 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 absolute the absolute big week. So um
0: they've seen whales, and now they see sails, and the sails are whalers.
1: They, they absolutely are. Now, now we um, now, uh, before we start, um, I, I had a bit of feedback from uh, from listener Barbara, who um, I have to say I, I pay a lot of attention to her feedback because I'm, I'm married to her, um, <laughs> and she was saying that we we seem to have um, pretty much um, gone by the board uh, to our, our amendments, uh, attributions, etc. Well, we
0: better do a amendation to that then. Yeah,
1: yes, we we, we had better. Um, so now, now, quite some time ago, um, when uh, we were in actually Ponape, mm-hmm. um, we, we read out a bit that uh, Midshipman and Mason had written um, about the the morals of the uh, the natives of Ponape, which, uh, to save the blushes presumably of his mother and his sisters, you know, should he be killed in battle and his diary be returned to uh, to the south, was written in uh, in French. And we said at the time that we would uh, try and get a translation of this French. But um, what what we really should have done, we we should have looked at our secondary sources. And in fact, um, some, I think two or three months later, uh, we have found in Tom Chaffin's Sea of Grey, which I'm uh, holding up to the microphone, Uh doing a riffle. Um, So Tom Chaffin, in fact, um, had uh, made a translation of uh, what he calls... um, Mason's schoolboy French. So, yes, I, I did kind of suspect that it might be a bit, little bit difficult to translate Mason's French because it's probably not that good. Um, but anyway, so this is this is Mason's um, take on the, uh, okay, the, the sexual morals of the Ascension Islanders. Um, In terms of virtue, there is none. It is a great honour to be the mistress of a white man. The young girls since the age of eight are all equally mischievous one might must say that it is the way for the entire island it is their religion upon arriving on the whale boat i found thirty or so women who were entertaining themselves on the decks of the whalers these were the mistresses of crew members each sailor had his woman
0: Oh, so actually they weren't entertaining themselves. They were entertaining the crewmen oh, I think they're <laughs> to, to be technical. I, I think
1: they were entertaining themselves on, on deck. <laughs> um, the captains and the officers of these ships always chose the daughters of the, the kings or chiefs. Well, well quite right too. They, they they are the captains. So so anyway, so that, that is the, um, the, the long-promised um, translation of... Um, Mason's French, although it wasn't so much translated as uh, read out of uh, of Tom Jefferson but um, now I, I believe so. So it's they were the, uh, the the Micronesians, as as they, as they would now be, be called. Um, but I believe we, we have a uh, a meeting this month with um, a different set of natives, um, quite quite um, differently spelled from the usual.
0: Yes, in Whittle's account, which I'm now riffling in front of the microphone, it's a memorable cruise. Uh, he describes on the 25th how several Eskimo, spelled E-S-Q-U-I-M-A-U-X, Eskimo. I, I,
1: I believe that that was a quite usual um, way of... Because I, I, I think, you know, um, presumably that's a... Anglicisation of, of, of Inuit. But I think um, Eskimo, yeah, that, that, that's not the first time I've seen that. I don't think it's, it, it's his misspelling.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, they came and visited their ships in their canoes, which were made of uh, walrus skins, yep. strep- stretched over a wooden frame. And he describes them as a miserable looking race of people of a light copper colour, with straight black hair, but well formed and muscular. They were dressed from head to foot in skins of the thickest kind. They live on fish and whale blubber and are known to be no more choice in their diet than buzzards. But of course, we also know what else they possibly live on as well, given what was being carried by uh, several of those ships that were captured.
1: Uh, And what is that? Well,
0: I think they were assuming that this was um, a drive-up bottle shop and they were coming (laughs) to get their supplies. (laughs)
1: Well, I, I, I think if you're trying to get through the long, Alaskan-stroke Strokes Siberian nights, then uh, you know
0: blubber only goes so far. Blubber
1: only goes so far. You need, you need a tot of tot of something to uh, to, to chase it down. So, um, so yes, so we've, we've gone from uh, from Micronesians to to Eskimos. So that was on the 25th, and oh my goodness, they also
0: caught a ship on the 25th too. Oh,
1: okay, and, and that was
0: uh, that was the General Williams from okay. New London, Connecticut. And uh, they took the prisoners off and they burnt the prize.
1: Well, well, that, that made such an impression on Midshipman Mason that he, that he does not even mention it. I guess there are so many... He was probably too busy reading Les Mis, yeah, so.
0: Very possibly. Yep,
1: yep. So that, that, that the next big day was the um, 26th.
0: Yes, on the 26th they noticed five sails... And uh, went in chase and took possession of uh, four of them, um, the General Pike, the Gypsy, and the Isabella. And they decided not to capture the fourth ship. That was known as the Robert Cummings, or in brackets here it's the Benjamin Cummings, so possibly uh, Mr Whittle got the, got the uh, name it. Robert, wrong.
1: Benjamin, yeah. Yep. Very similar. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I can't... The number of times I've been called Benjamin is (laughs) just just absolutely legion.
0: So uh, they decided not to capture that ship for the very good reason that it had smallpox on board...
1: Well, yes, and, and presumably if Midshipman Mason has been reading through um, Dickens, he would have got to Bleak House, where of course Esther Summerson uh, gets smallpox and uh, it does her a whole lot of no good. So yes, you you would not want to. Although I'm, I'm surprised more more of the prizes didn't say smallpox, smallpox. You probably they would probably send Surgeon Lining over to to. Yeah, make the uh, smallpox sufferers exhibit their weeping sores. Yes.
0: Uh, So, at this point, they have something like 300 prisoners.
1: Okay. So,
0: we've got uh, the tween deck full of prisoners. Yes. We've now got um, crew from the whalers being trailed behind in longboats.
1: Oh, gosh, that must have been... Must be fun for them.
0: Well, they were whalers, so they are probably tough. But, um, yes, it would be.
1: Well, yeah, I wonder if they gave them any of the supplies from the Abigail. I wonder if they got a tot of warming <laughs> d- rum d- to, no. to give them hypothermia. Because that, that would have been the treatment for hypothermia in those days, a nice bit of alcohol to um, to make you die, drunk.
0: So they let the Robert Cummings or the Benjamin Cummings, whatever it was called, uh, go yes. quite wisely. They probably stayed <laughs> upwind of it as well. The General Pike, being the slowest, they decided to bond her and put all the prisoners on board, and that amounted to some 300 people.
1: I I think 300 prisoners on on one whaler, that's that's quite a lot of people.
0: There was, uh, I remember when we were uh, talking to uh, Dr. Justin Vance about this, he had mentioned that there were complaints about this, because they were uncertain whether they'd be able to uh, oh, get oh, back.
1: Oh dear! Yes, Captain Waddell made a rather unfortunate comment, didn't
0: he? He did indeed. Uh, which, yeah. which was uh, well, that they could descend to their traditional cannibalism if uh, if it got to be a problem, which is a, a very caring comment, you'd have oh, to say. Oh
1: well, yes, okay.
0: So, um, um, spoilers. Good news. They did actually get back safely to oh, to Hawaii. The good, these three hundred whalers, uh, of whom many were in fact Hawaiians,
1: and, and probably then joined the joined the uh, the sugar trade, which, as Justin Vance said, went gangbusters after. after it the it war.
0: absolutely did. So, yes, so they set fire to the uh, other ships that they captured, put the 300 men on board the the General Pike, very cleverly picking out the slowest of the ships. Yes. So so they they couldn't couldn't warn anybody else. Get away
1: and warn them,
0: yes. And so they now got rid of most of their prisoners, so that's all all of their prisoners, so that's really good. They've got lots and lots of provisions. Uh, The weather is foggy and calm, and... They've got two more sails on the horizon to capture, so things are going very well.
1: So, look, now, now, foggy and calm. Now, now, this might be the point to um, actually do a bit of a, um, a current uh, weather report for um, <coughs> St. Lawrence Island. So okay. They, so they saw the, um, the Esquimo with a queue um, off St. Lawrence Island, yeah. which is uh, in Alaska. And through the, through the wonders of the internet, I've looked up, and it's a brisk uh, 7 degrees centigrade in mm-hmm. St Lawrence Island at, at today.
0: Um, in the middle of summer, yes. In the,
1: well, and, and again, it, again it's, it's in the middle of winter in, in suburban Blackburn South, and it's a lovely sunny 11 degrees. So once again, the middle of winter in Melbourne is warmer than the, the middle of summer yes. in Alaska. Uh, however, there's uh, four Saturday, which... Uh, I think would probably be the fourth of the fourth of July, mm-hmm. two thousand and fifteen. So if you're if you're planning your Fourth um, of July celebrations in St, St. Lawrence, the uh, forecast is for a sunny and warm twelve degrees. Celsius. So, so? So Lawrence might in fact be warmer than Melbourne uh, this Saturday for Fourth of July celebrations. But but, but the fog. Now the, the the fog the fog was both the friend of the Shenandoah and their enemy because. Um, uh, you know sometimes the, the fog hid them from mm-hmm. their prey but sometimes it hid the prey from them
0: so what did they uh construct to okay. uh, help themselves out to see if they could see people further away
1: well okay so the, we're quoting here from uh midshipman mason's uh, diary from the 27th of june because my goodness um, you know, there, there are some weeks where there are, there are no diary entries at all, which is always a bad side for our podcast, where Mr Whittle and Mr Mason have nothing to say. because <laughs> That's when we uh, start talking about the weather in Blackburn Southmore. But um, Tuesday, June 27th, this morning we had quite a breeze, the first little puff we have had up here. There were some seven or eight vessels in sight, but did not attempt to take any of them for fear of frightening off the others. Well, with the fresh breezes, some of them would certainly have given us the slip. Because, of course, um, the Shenandoah has the, the fantastic advantage of being a steamer, so and none of the whalers are. So, mm. if, it's, if, it's, if there's no breeze, then they can just go from boat to boat and, and take their pick. So, con- to continue with uh, Nation. Um, as I have said, we made no attempt to capture the ships in sight. The wind was from the, the north and, of course, adverse for us all, but our friends were put to windward beating up, so we stopped steaming, hoisted our propeller, lowered our smokestack and made sail, moreover to disguise ourselves the more. We sent up what the whalemen call a crow's nest, mm. which is simply a frame, something like a box, into the 4 topmast top-mast cross-trees, covered with canvas to protect the lookout this gave us quite an oily appearance all day we worked up to the north and being a sharp clipper gained rapidly on the vessels ahead um i have to say i don't know that just putting up a crow's nest would make um an extreme clipper like the Shenandoah actually look all that much like a whaler.
0: It might from a long distance, I suppose. I suppose
1: if you can only see the uh, the, the very top of the mast, it's interesting. I, I actually thought that a cro- that all ships had a crow's nest and it was a, a perfectly normal thing. But um, clearly, given that Mason you've, is meaning what a crow's nest is, that um, it was actually. Particularly a, a, a whaler kind of thing, which makes sense because they, they want to be going Thar She blows whales She
0: blows. Whales yes.
1: Support yes. thou, etc., etc., etc. And um, you come down to claim your gold coin off Captain Ahab. Um, but the, but there you go. So it, it, it wasn't a usual thing. So well, that was that was a twenty seventh. So they, they, they yeah
0: on the twenty seventh as well. Uh, Whittle has a bit of reflection.
1: Oh, about um, about petty.
0: No, no, actually, interestingly, he has a bit of a reflection about what they're doing, which is, you know, finding ships and burning them. Uh, does he have moral qualms? Well, he does, which he quickly, he quickly, he uh, quickly get over ta- them. gets over them, yes. <laughs> um, he says that um, they're going to wait till it falls calm and then pounce on them, because, uh, of course, they can do that with... They
1: are a wolf among the, uh, yes. Among the flock. Yes.
0: It does make me feel sorry for them, but when I reflect that they have burnt the houses over the heads of our women, stolen their clothes and all kinds of property, and inflicted hardships and perpetrated outrages, which it makes me blush from shame for them, and maddens me to a degree that I never thought myself capable of reaching, when I think of this I say... Everything like compassion gives place to intense hatred and a determination in this cruel and relentless war to fight the devil with fire.
1: Oh, dear. Well, as Sherman said, war is hell. And uh, yes, indeed, the, uh, the Sherman is, is about the very next day To to... to avenge sherman's jubilee to a
0: to a certain extent yes like, he says a, a the nice l- he says the law of nations on war respect private property on shore but not on the sea and all i can say is i will burn as many as it is my good fortune to catch all day we've been beating up in sight of several sails, waiting for a calm when we can bag the whole party
1: well, and and what happened the next day, <clears throat> June the twenty eighth, um, to help them bag the uh, the entire party was they actually had a um, a remarkable piece of um, of good fortune, and um, yep. which which helped them in fact take all oh, ten prizes. So ten
0: they, prizes at once.
1: Ten pri- pretty much well in, in one day.
0: Yeah. So 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 what happened there? Well. What had happened was one of these whalers um, during the night had run th- through some ice and was described as stove in. And if you remember, the Shenandoah was very worried about hitting ice and having its the, hull damaged.
1: Yes, if a specialist whaler could, could be stove in by a bit of ice, then the Shenandoah is. Uh, you know, yes. Whal- so
0: the, the Bark Brunswick, it's called, uh, was in a bit of difficulty, and nine other ships had come to its aid. So there was a cluster of 10 whalers, all uh, becalmed, helping this uh, ship that had been severely damaged. So exactly what they had uh, planned was going to happen. So it enabled the Shenandoah to come up and uh, man their boats and board in succession, uh, all of them, and all 10 were Yankee whalers.
1: Oh, so not a single Hawaiian or, or Dutch or...
0: No. So they were, in fact, I'll, I'll give you their names. They were the ships, the Hillman, the James Maury, the Nassau, the Brunswick, the Isaac Howland, and then the Barks, the Martha and the Congress of New Bedford, Massachusetts, and the Barks, Nile of New London, Connecticut, favourite of Fairhaven, Massachusetts, and the Covington of Rhode Island. Um, so... The James Morey, very interestingly, had a lady on board. She was the widow of the captain.
1: Uh yes, the the captain widow. Captain Grey. <clears throat> the widow, and, and um, Captain Grey, I believe, had actually died on the voyage.
0: He had died on the voyage, and uh, as a result, uh, Captain Waddell decided to be chivalrous. Well... That's
1: that's excellent. No, no, no. But I believe there was another, rather more bizarre circumstance about he was still on board.
0: Um, yes, this this goes back to that um, old saying about um, Admiral Nelson.
1: Yes, yes, because his body was preserved in a barrel of rum.
0: Yes, or brandy, what, or whatever the alcoholic beverage was. Yes, um, so so too was this captain as well. So you could tip the captain, I guess, by. Um, Going in there I pay and pay your respects. Pay your respects. <laughs> and the, the, the urban legend, of course, is that by the time that uh, Admiral Nelson's uh, barrel with his body in it got back to, to Blighty, the barrel was empty. <laughs> yes,
1: we, we wouldn't have done a whole lot for the preservation of his remains, but, uh, but anyway. So, yes, so, so the, the poor widow had um, her husband on board in a barrel of whiskey, and uh, Waddell decided. Uh, I think he's in his memoirs, he says he, you know, he said, told her something noble about the Confederacy does not wage war on women. He
0: uh, sent he sent a message to the unhappy woman to cheer her up. No harm should come to her on the vessel, and that the men of the South never made war on helpless women and children. Although an example to the contrary had been set by their northern enemy, we preferred the nobler instincts of human nature.
1: Oh well, yeah, okay. I, I think you could probably find a few contrary examples if you looked. Um, but uh, let, let, let's on, on, on this uh, on this day, let's let's take that at face value. And uh, anyway, he, he did he did let her go. So. He
0: bonded the Murray for thirty seven thousand dollars. Oh yeah,
1: yes. Yeah, so, so the widow still had to come up with thirty seven thousand dollars when the Confederacy won the war. But uh, but uh, okay, she's bonded. <laughs>
0: Uh, That also enabled them to uh, offload the truly enormous number of prisoners Oh,
1: yes, by by then.
0: onto this, and uh, I believe there was a second uh, ship that was also... um, Yes. uh, ..given the prisoners, and then the rest, they burned.
1: Well, and apparently the the site... um, Because I I believe they're actually uh, within sight of land uh, in Alaska at this point, and uh, apparently the site of eight... Eight vessels burning throughout the night was... Uh, Soaked with very, whale oil. Yes, yeah, I think, uh, uh, yeah, that was apparently a, a, a quite amazing sight. Although, unfortunately, um, you know, our memorialists at the time are too busy actually working on making it happen to uh, to describe it to any, any great extent. But, um,
0: well, Whittle does describe it. He okay. does it very well. Oh, okay. I'll um, back back then. He says, it is a gloomy sight to see these magnificent and valuable works of man so summarily destroyed. But do our enemies in their hellish acts of depravity, of burning of houses over the heads of helpless, defenseless and unoffending women and children consider this? No, it is an awful sight. But suffering as we have suffered from the ruthlessness of an inhuman foe, we can but consider that we are doing our duty in punishing, punishing them as the only hope of bringing them to their proper senses, for if you touch a Yankee pocket, you wound him in a a sensitive and vital part.
1: Well, I think there's everything there. Yes, there's more as there's. hell. There's, there's, there's some, some anti-Yankee sentiment. And it also makes plain that this was economic warfare that they were trying to to hurt the Yankees financially and by denying them from, from crucial war material. So, yes, so there's, so, there's, a, there's a whole lot of oil going up in smoke off the Alaskan coast on the, the 28th of June, 1865. So
0: Mr Whittle calculates it to or say that, that uh, we have... Destroyed property to the value of $400,563. I'm not quite sure how they calculated that to the last dollar, but they did. And bonded property to the amount of $78,600. So these are truly colossal sums for, for, the, for time. the time.
1: Yes, so a cool half a mil for the time.
0: And he, yes. he points out, uh, you know, I think a bit of an understatement, this will create an excitement.
1: Yes, especially since it's happening you know, a month and a half after the end of the war. Uh, well, look, um, um, well, Mr. Mr. Whittle clearly decided to, uh, that this was something that was going to be quoted from his diary in years to come. But he was quite correct. But um, i will also quote from uh, Mr. Mason's diary from uh, from that same day. And um, so, um, so from again from the twenty eighth of June. Um, To come to date, however, the fog was not so thick today, but would clear up at intervals and show us the chase, which was probably absolutely perfect for the Shenandoah, when within a few miles of them we counted 10 sails in all, quite a little fleet in itself. They were perfectly unsuspecting, most of them being at anchor between the Siberian coast and Diomede Islands, but as there was a light breeze, we were afraid some of them might get away. Several of our prizes thought we were one of the Yankee steamers. Men at war sent up here to make preparations for the laying of the telegraph between Asia and America. Oh, so the captain came to the conclusion that it would not be a bad idea to hoist the Yankee flag and pass off for a federal man of war, which we did accordingly. When nearly up to them, we saw one vessel was careened over to one side. All her flags were flying at the mastheads and at the peak. Her ensign being at half-mast and Union down, probably a ship stove by the ice. The other vessels seemed to be giving her assistance. All these conjectures proved to be correct. So I think that was a, an enormous... Sometimes you get the rub of the green, and, <laughs> uh, or the rub of the sea, and that was a, an amazingly um,
0: That was uh, a, str- lucky, a strike of good luck, yes.
1: Well, now Mason also gives, uh, the name of all of the, uh, the ships, although he pronounced, uh, well, slightly, I knew Brunswick, Brunswick was a C-H, which I don't think is so, uh, uh, yeah, I don't think it's a correct spelling. Um, ah, now, now, uh, so they, they gradually, by stealth, uh, got onto about half the ships. And uh, Mason then says, When we had boarded about half the ships, the rest took up the alarm and some slipped their cables and tried to get away in the fog, which was thick at intervals all day. One or two captains, more brave, or to speak correctly, more drunk than the rest, <laughs> threatened to throw harpoons and bomb lances into Ooh. our boats. I presume, so bomb lancers presumably are explosive harpoons for getting whales, which could probably be be very nasty.
0: You probably wouldn't want to be hit by one, no.
1: Well, I think especially if you're a whale. Um, But the drawing of a pistol or the pointing of a rifle gun soon brought these misguided individuals to their senses. Before 8 o'clock p.m., we had nine vessels burning in sight, including the Waverley, and two bonded vessels loaded with the crews and officers of the burnt ships. A good day's work, for we captured more ships today by two than the Georgia in her whole crew.
0: Oh, take that, Georgia.
1: Um, um, is it, um, no, no mention of the Alabama, because I think they're, they're <laughs> still about, uh, they're not halfway to what the Alabama has. But uh, And again, uh, spoilers, that's about as much as they get. But uh, anyway, uh, so uh, Mason finishes off. The great trouble about these whalers is that they have such large crews that we are obliged to bond one out of every five or six to carry off the prisoners, where a merchant ship of the same size would have from 10 to 12 souls on board. A whaler would carry from 30 to 40, all told a tremendous difference. I am tired to death after today's work, having boarded and burnt three ships. The last one, we had to heave up her anchor, tow her off with boats, clear off the Jane's Maury and drop anchor again before burning her. I am happy to say I have all night in and expect to enjoy it to the utmost. Um, no doubt, reading Les Yes. Oh, of course. Yes.
0: Yeah. Well, what a,
1: what a day.
0: Yeah, and, and the next day is exciting in its own way as well. They don't capture any ships, but they do do something uh, rather significant well, for the, uh, the crews.
1: They, they do something rather significant for the crews, uh, but also rather foolhardly, it has to be said.
0: Yes. Um, now, what had happened is they they very much suspect that uh, they've got greedy. They've caught yes. ten. They love it. They want the rest. They've got
1: whaley fever. They're salty and oily, and one's just never enough. And they
0: it. they hear that some other 20 whalers have slipped away and gone up into the Arctic Sea. Which is... As
1: it turned out, actually a very good place to hide from this. Yes,
0: know. so above the Arctic Circle to, to get away from this, uh, the depredations. So the next day they decide to go after them.
1: Yes, so, so again from, uh, from Midshipman Mason's uh, journal. So Thursday the 29th, and, and then we'll have a bit of whittle. Cause, uh, yeah. uh, this morning, a bright, sunshiny day, we steamed fairly into the Arctic seeing both continents as we left the Straits after steaming about 30 or 40 miles. I so think this is why um, Sarah Palin says you can see Russia from my house. Oh. Also, <laughs> although, in fact, I believe it was Tina Fey who said that. Um, I, it was, <laughs> yes. You, you
0: can technically see Russia from united states territory it's this little bald island on the very probably, end
1: of probably little diomede island i think it might be i think little diomede island is next to big diomede island which and, is the russian one which is the russian one so so yes so you can probably in fact i think there's often an ice bridge between the two so there are probably times in winter where if you're foolhardy you can walk from um, ah. from america into russia but they probably don't like you doing that i, I, I wouldn't try that myself um Okay, so um, uh, after steaming about 30 or 40 miles into the Arctic, we met with a field of ice. Funny about that, which we might have gone around in all probability, but we turned around and steamed. Oh,
0: Mason, yet again complaining that they're turning tail just when things get tough.
1: So that in reality, we are in the Arctic Ocean proper, not more than eight or 10 hours at the most and captured nothing there. I was sorry to see the old ship go back so soon, for I wanted to see the work well done after such a good beginning. It was certain that more than 20 vessels had gone up ahead of us, and Manning, who, by the way, has been made a master's mate and has acted as a sort of pilot for us here, said he was certain that if it had been a fair day, we would have seen some of those fellows ahead. ahead. But the captain would neither wait there for a clear day nor try to get around the ice, but turned around. Oh, poor Captain Waddell just, just you know... Not wanting to go around massive fields of sea ice in a ship. Well, well given he's down. just watched
0: the Brunswick, a whaler that's designed to go through ice stoved in, you can understand I, it.
1: I, I can kind of understand that. But uh, anyway...
0: Um, yeah, well, Whittle... Whittle,
1: th- No doubt, again, he would be saddened and chastened to know that his midshipman does not totally approve <laughs> of his actions. Yeah.
0: Well, Whittle does. Um, he, he notes here that they put the mats, you know, the, ah, the, yes, the, yes, the what um, we think were the fine carpets over the front of the ship to protect themselves. But then they ran into a uh, French ship And a Hawaiian ship Who had again repeated the news That Lincoln was dead And Lee had surrendered Which must be very vexing To keep hearing that
1: Oh no, no You, you just you just double down And say well obviously The
0: conspiracy to fool us Is extraordinarily It's even gone theory. to the Arctic Circle
1: yeah, I, I, No doubt there's a false flag in operation involved there At some point
0: So uh, he also points out That they go back And he continues in his uh, entry For the next day The 30th of June, to continue to note just how concerned he is about the ice.
1: Okay. Yes, yes. Well, Mason, Mason also mentions that. Um, steaming to the south all day, saw large floes of ice. Went to the west to avoid them this morning, and yes, passed a French whale ship, a Hawaiian brig, the Cahola, and the bark Robert Towns. All of them working to the north. So all of these, this Hawaiian brig that they can't, they can't attack. Will be going north and no doubt saying, there's pirates!" out, this, this, this—a Confederate warship that will, that will sink you. So, um, oh, oh, what a what a what a week it was! One hundred and fifty years ago today, the, so, the biggest
0: week we have to say for the Shenandoah of, uh, their, of their entire cruise.
1: Yes, um, yeah, that, that does have to be said. You could yes. say that
0: this was the last flaming high water mark of the Confederacy.
1: Literally metaphorically and, figuratively uh, yes and, in, and, in
0: in in every way yes, yes
1: and uh, look, I, I guess you can say it's probably the, it wasn't the last shot of the war because I think uh, Mason certainly supports the argument that the last shot was a few days before, and that um all they needed to do with the he says drunk waiting captains with was, was point a pistol at them, uh, but was certainly um, the last action of the uh, of the American Civil War that was it um hundred and fifty years ago today. Anyway, and um, 150 years later, uh, this has been um, Shenandoah Down Under or Confederate Pirates save the Whales. Well, they certainly saved a few whales uh, this week. There the would year. be a
0: lot of very relieved whales after that, uh, if, well, if it's only it's, they knew.
1: If, if only they knew. And uh, so, so, this has been, um, yeah. I'm Rob.
0: Uh, and I'm Mob, Tally Ho. And ahoy.